In this episode, I talk with professional Lauren Stratman the day before a tournament about her physical and mental preparation for competition. Apparently, her methods work well, as she finished in third place in women's doubles with her partner, Leah Jansen. To learn more about how Lauren prepares for tournaments, let's get to the intro. Welcome to the Pickleball Fire podcast, where it's all about pickleball. Today, I'd like to welcome to the Pickleball Fire podcast, Lauren Stratman. How are you doing today, Lauren? Hey, Lynn. Thanks so much for having me. I'm great. How are you? I'm doing good. And I do really appreciate you jumping on because I know right now you are in Phoenix getting ready to play in a professional pickleball tournament there. So I want to get into, you know, some information in relationship to, you know, your background and tournaments, but let's go ahead and start with how you first started playing pickleball and kind of how long ago that was. Sure. Yeah. So I actually had always heard about this sport called pickleball and I knew originally it was, I hate to say it, but it was obviously like more for senior pro or senior players. Right. So as a tennis player, I, I did, I never really had any interest in playing it, but I had some tennis students who were really, you know, bugging me and, you know, Lauren, you should try the sport. And so I came out and I tried it. This was about a little over two years ago. And to be honest, I wasn't immediately hooked until I played my first tournament. And that was exactly two years ago in February. So played my first tournament at the 4-0 level and the, like the competitive juices just kind of all came back and it was, I was seriously hooked from there on out. So that's kind of where it all started. You're actually one of the few people that I've talked to that don't immediately say, oh man, I'm so addicted. So what was it Mm -hmm. about that tournament that got you hooked? Well, I feel for me, I've always enjoyed like the competitive side of tennis. So like when I, I grew up playing tennis and I always loved going to tournaments. I was never really big into practice, but I would always get so excited about going to travel and going to a new place and staying in a hotel as a kid and, you know, all this stuff. So I felt like when I went to this pickleball tournament, it just brought all of those feelings back of competing like as a kid again. So I don't know, it was just kind of a new outlet for me and I had already stopped competing in tennis tournaments. So I think it just brought all of those feelings back. So go ahead and talk a little bit about your tennis background and, you know, for example, why did you stop competing in tennis tournaments? Sure. Yeah. So I started as, you know, a young kid, my dad got me into it. He was a tennis pro and uh, he coached me my entire life. So I literally started, you know, when I was two years old, my dad would come home and he'd roll balls to me on the grass and I'd have like a golf swing. So got into it super early, whether I wanted to or not. And I played pretty much a tournament every single weekend of my life since I was seven years old. So I really, tennis was my entire life. And then I played in college. So I played for Columbia University my freshman year. And then I transferred and went to Westmont College, which is in Santa Barbara, where I'm from. So I finished there and played a couple, you know, lower level pro tournaments, did okay in doubles, but ultimately felt I wasn't going to be like a top professional level tennis player. So moved on from that dream, you know, started teaching tennis and ultimately just decided I just didn't want to, you know, didn't want to train anymore, didn't want to compete anymore. And that's kind of how it ended. Kind of anticlimactic. I guess it's good you found pickleball. Do you feel like you're going to be a, a top player in the pros? In pickleball? Yes. 
yeah, I mean, I, I sort of consider myself, you know, almost there. I feel like, you know, I've done pretty well in my last, you know, the last six months I've had some decent results and, you know, definitely one of my goals is to be, you know, one of the top players in the sport. So working really hard training every day and, you know, just getting the experience under my belt right now. And why do you think it's, would you say it's actually easier to be a pickleball pro than it was, you know, to make a living at it playing tennis? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I think with tennis, you know, you have to be, well, there's obviously so many more people playing tennis, right? It's been around longer and it's a, it's a bigger sport. You've got college scholarships and you just have such depth in tennis. So if you're not, you know, in that top 1%, it's, it's pretty much impossible to be out there like making a living. I have a lot of friends who are out there on the tour now who are just starting to break through and they've been out there for years. So you have to have a very high level of commitment and it's just a massive investment versus with pickleball. I think if you come from a high level of tennis from that background, it's a lot easier to break through and, you know, it's, it's a very easy transition into this sport. So yeah, I would say it's, it's a little easier on the pickleball side right now. Is there something from your tennis background that you feel that you bring to pickleball that really gives you an advantage over other pickleball players? So are you saying like other like professional players or just like the average pickleball player? I would actually say the professional pickleball player. Okay. Well, I feel that a lot of the top players are actually from tennis backgrounds. So I think that a lot of us bring similar strengths to the game. I think that with me, I've adapted rather quickly to the differences that pickleball brings. So for example, you know, there's a lot of things that tennis players bring in that we think we can just apply directly to pickleball and we can't. So I feel like that ability to adapt quickly has helped me. I also feel like my forehand in tennis was a huge weapon and it's translated directly into pickleball. So I would say that's, I guess that's helped me a lot too. I think I saw on your Facebook page that you have a favorite quote. Can you tell me what that is and where that comes from? Sure. So it says proper preparation prevents poor performance. And that was a quote that my dad taught me. I remember exactly. I was in fifth grade and it was like, he was talking about like in a, a homework assignment and I was like procrastinating and he applied it directly into my tennis life as well. So growing up all throughout junior tennis, I had this, you know, this mantra in the back of my mind, right. That I always needed to be prepared or properly prepared. And so, you know, what that entails is just uh, making sure you're doing, you're on the right training regimen that you are, you know, training the right way, training properly, not showing up to a tournament, you know, without your, obviously your bag, your equipment, your shoes, your, you know, having all your travel preparations, you know, all laid out. So I, I've been very, you know, meticulous about how I travel and how, you know, I'm getting ready and preparing. And it also includes mental preparation as well. So, you know, a few days before every tournament, I'm always visualizing and trying to imagine, you know, my matches and, you know, how I want to be playing, how I see myself playing, imagining the results I want to have. And so, you know, I feel like those are all just key components when coming into tournament play. Since the preparation is so important to you and you use visualization, Mm -hmm. I'm curious as to, you know, at at what point do you know the draw for a tournament? Yeah, so actually it's a strange format with pickleball. So we don't know the draw until the night before and it actually released at midnight. So we technically see it like eight hours before the day of the tournament starts which is very unlike tennis with tennis, we would have maybe like a week or, you know, a couple of days before with that notice. So, you know, you, at least, you know, who you're going to play, you can mentally prepare for that. 
pickleball, very different. So I always struggle with that personally because I tend to stay up and wait till midnight, which is hard for me because I, my sleep is so important, but I really can't help myself. I always have to check the draw. So even if I fall asleep at 9 PM the night before I, my brain will literally wake me up at 12, like on the dot without setting an alarm. I will always wake up and check it. And yeah, it's honestly, if any directors are out there listening, like, please change that format. Like I hate it. (laughs) So would much prefer to have some notice. Now, can you give me one example of maybe when you saw the draw at midnight and it wasn't favorable? What what happened in that situation? <laughs> well, I think in sports, you know, sometimes we have people that my my doubles partner, I always talk about like when you have like a complex with someone, right? Like it's someone maybe you always play in every tournament and maybe you're not having the best results against them. So if I get somebody in my draw who I'm like, oh, you know, you know, maybe I didn't really want to play them. I don't sleep well. Like I, I, I'm thinking about the match. I'm like, have, you know, I anxiety or I'm nervous or whatever. So yeah, if it's not favorable, yeah, I, I, I struggle a little bit. So if all my competitors are listening, <laughs> they've got an advantage over me there. <laughs> now, can you share with us when that's happened, you know, one time in pickleball and who, who your opponent might've been? Oh, I mean, (laughs) I don't know if I want to go into that exactly, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's, it's pretty common. Like there's just so many tough people in the draws. So ultimately, like, I think as I've gotten more experience, it's been less and less. So now I don't really look at a draw and think like, you know, I'm not really worried about anyone per se now. Cause I'm, I've played everybody now, but yeah, I, I, it would be, it was more so when I was, you know, kind of just coming into the, on the professional team where I'd be like, Oh, like, you know, maybe if I was like playing Ben Johns or something, I'm like, Oh, it's Ben Johns. <laughs> but now, now it's not as bad. I just wanted to break in here and say, as pickleball players, we want to get better at the sport. And it was in a recent interview with Hella Spar, I realized I didn't even do 10% of what she talked about on the court. So I've signed up for a doubles course, and you may want to consider doing so too. You can get more information by going to pickleballfire.com slash doubles. And just to let you know, I do make an affiliate commission if you purchase her course, and this helps to support the Pickleball Fire podcast. Now let's get back to the episode. You mentioned with that quote about how, you know, your father really emphasized being prepared. I mean, can you think about the last time maybe you weren't prepared and, and, you know, it could be in pickleball, it could be in tennis. Sure. Yeah. I actually know exactly when this was. So I have never been that into singles. It's not really been a part of pickleball for me. It's just kind of been something I've recently taken up, but there was a tournament let's see, I think, gosh, okay. I I can't remember. Actually, there was a tournament before the Atlanta PPA and the Atlanta PPA was in September and the tournament before that I had played singles. Oh yes. I know. I played in March at the California open last year and I played singles and I absolutely got wrecked. Like I played awful. And I remember just, I had gone to that tournament, like just thinking, Oh, I'll just randomly play singles. And I had not played any singles at all up until the tournament. And I got the result I expected. Like I did not do well and it was just awful. So the next tournament after that, I played the Atlanta PPA, which was in September and I trained a straight two weeks. I didn't even play any doubles. I just played singles for two weeks and I ended up going and getting bronze in the PPA and singles. And so that's just kind of the difference, like with the mentality shift, like if you're going in, like working on something specifically, it usually pays off versus the absolute opposite extreme. You're not putting the work in, you're not probably going to get the results you want. Now, are you playing singles in this tournament coming up? I'm actually not. So 
I was originally supposed to play, but I feel right now I've been on the road so much recently that I, I do put a lot more emphasis on doubles. I care about it a lot more. And I think in general, you know, the pickleball population cares about doubles more. So I decided just for my own sake that I'm going to like save my mental energy and just put it all into doubles this weekend. I do feel like singles is very mentally draining and physically draining. <laughs> yes, no, no doubt. Now, why, why do you think people really like the doubles so much and even watching pro players play doubles so much? I personally think it's because it's so exciting. Like when the doubles start getting into the fast hands points, I think people just really gravitate toward watching that. I do think that singles might have like, might end up getting more viewership the longer the sport goes because um, the pros these days are really taking it to just new levels of athleticism and the points are getting much longer and more exciting to watch. So I do think that there's going to start being a trend towards people really wanting to view singles more. But however, right now, I think since double, since doubles kind of has been like the main focus in pickleball, I think people just naturally gravitate towards it. And, you know, it, it definitely is very entertaining to watch. So I think that's kind of why. Right. That makes a lot of sense. If we get back to talking about the preparation for pickleball, I mean, you, you talked about, you know, really spending a couple of weeks with the singles and preparing for it in the tournament after maybe you didn't do so well. Mm -hmm. And you also talked about, you know, visualizing. Can you kind of you know, some people may not be that familiar with what it means to, you know, visualize. Can you describe what that is and how you use it when you do it? Is it on and off the court? You know, just expand on that a bit more. Sure. Yeah. So this is all credit to my dad, but growing up before a tournament or like specifically before I would walk on, walk out to the court, my dad would literally force me to sit down with him for maybe like, 15 to 20 minutes. And he would actually talk me through my entire match. So this is just one example, but he would literally talk me from point one till match point, me shaking hands with my opponent, going through all the points, all the scenarios that could happen, you know, how I'm reacting, if I'm being negative or positive, basically just kind of giving me the scenario so that when I would go into the match, anything that kind of came came at me, like any type of adversity, I felt that I was already prepared for it because I've already been through it in my head. And ultimately, like I had the outcome that, you know, I was going to win in my head already. So that's just one example of how like you can visualize if you have a coach who can sort of walk you through something like that. For me now, I, I don't talk to my dad as frequently and he doesn't do that for me because I'm an adult. I'm 27 now. <laughs> that would be <laughs> asking a lot of him. But now, you know, if now that's just me, you know, it'll be like morning of, I'm just going to sit and almost meditate for about 15 to 20 minutes. And I do the same thing just with myself where I just will go through the match. I, you know, if I make mistakes, I shake them off quickly, no negative reactions. I envision how I'm feeling when I'm playing. So I literally will, you know, I just want to go through like the actual feelings of how I'm striking the ball. Is it clean strikes? Am I making the right shot selections? If somebody cheats me, how am I, I'm reacting, how I'm mentally just moving past it, envisioning myself on the metal stand with my partner, who else is on the metal stand? So stuff like that, where I just try to get as specific as I possibly can so that I'm really ready for, you know, everything that could possibly happen out there. And I don't know if that makes any sense, but that's just kind of been my process of it. It does. It makes a lot of sense. And it sounds like you've had a lot of success and been doing it for a long time. In fact, it almost sounds like it's, it's easy for you at this point. It, would you say that's true? Or do you sometimes, you know, every once in a while still lose your composure? 
Oh, no, it's definitely easy at this point. I think for me, my, so my dad, so I'm, this is just a podcast about my dad today, I guess, but my dad would always ask me as a kid, so Lauren, what's your strongest weapon? And a lot of, you know, a lot of his students would be like, oh, my forehead, my backhand. And for me, the answer was always my mind. So my mind is my strongest weapon, right? And so I think with just years of hearing that and training it and, you know, every car ride to school and back home from school was always just constantly like training my mind and how to think it has like translated right back into pickleball and into this competition. So at this point it becomes a little bit thoughtless. Granted, I'm not putting as much time into it. I'd say, cause I don't have my, you know, my coach or my dad in my ear all the time. So I do sometimes I will get like a little bit frustrated with myself when I make errors, but I try to just not let it take me into the next point. So I think that's important. Like for any listeners you have out there that are tournament, you know, players, if you can, if you have to, you know, let out some frustration or get negative, as long as you don't bring that frustration into the next point and let it continue to affect you, then I think you're okay. Ultimately, like if we can stay positive, it's great. But I think having an outlet is good, but just don't let it continue to, you know, go into the next points. Obviously we're in games to 11. So it's, it's too fast to like, you know, one point is too much. It's basically what I'm saying. If that makes sense. It does. Absolutely. I'm, that's great advice. And my background is in sports psychology. And I, I've actually had a sports oh, nice. psychologist too on the podcast. Oh my gosh, and, amazing. Yeah. And that's, that's exactly what he said is, you know, it's okay to react as long as you don't take it into, you know, the future points. Exactly. Exactly. I couldn't agree more. Now, I know that you do teach clinics quite a bit. Do you, do you actually work mostly on the physical aspect with your students or do you also cover some of the mental techniques that we've talked about here on the podcast? Yeah. So, so I actually taught pickleball full-time when I lived in Santa Barbara and when I was teaching my students, like when I, I used to do a lot of private lessons and generally that's when I would help my students like really get into the mental game. You know, I get a lot of texts from them like, Hey, you know, this happened in my tournament and I'll definitely like dive into that with them at that point. When I'm teaching a clinic, I wouldn't say I get too much into it unless people are specifically asking me. I tend to focus on more like strategical concepts and, you know, I don't try to get too technical in a clinic because I don't like to, you know, spend too much time with like one individual person when I have 16 people out there. But I definitely like to have a focus on like strategical and tactical information for my students. And then again, like I said, if they reach out to me or if I'm working with someone individually, I will absolutely bring this in because I do think it's one of the most important things for anybody's game. So when you were working with private students, can you give an example? Maybe you don't have to mention who it is, but can you give an example of maybe something that somebody texts you after a tournament that you were able to give them, you know, some advice on? Sure. Yeah. So like a very common theme is nerves on the court. So I'm like, oh, Lauren, you know, I've been practicing so much and everything's been feeling so great in practice. And I, you know, I'm practicing with my partner and rec games, everything's perfect. And then I go into the tournament and I, I'm a different player, right? You know, I get so nervous. I get so tight and I'm missing dinks and whatever. So generally I try to give people like a lot of different techniques just for helping uh, themselves with nerves. And the first thing I'll tell them is number one is why are you nervous? And the first thing usually they say is, oh, because I just really want to win. Right. And that happens to a lot of us. It's extremely common, right? When we think about futuristic outcomes, like winning and losing, right? But what I tell people is if you, well, there's only so many things we can control out on the court and winning and losing is a futuristic outcome. We cannot control winning and losing. So that's the first thing you got to get out of your head is that winning and losing component has to be completely, you know, 
put to the side, right? So if you can do that, you can focus on the things that you can control. And what you can do is when you are in the match is can you compete as best as you can on each individual point? And a lot of times, you know, if I ask my students, okay, well, you know, can you control that? Like, can you go fight hard on this one point? And they'll say yes. So I'm like, okay, well, why not go out there and do that and focus on that? And then you're going to get to the next point. You're going to, you're going to do the exact same thing. So I tend to give people mantras to say, so my mantra growing up was right here, right now, let's go. So those three things I would constantly repeat to myself when I was on the court. And I like to give my students that mantra if they want to use it so that they can go out there and literally just focus on that. So that when the other thoughts come in, like, oh, you know, if I, if I win this match, I can tell my friends or if I win this, you know, maybe I'll move up to a four or five or whatever the, the subconscious thoughts are. When those come in, they can go right through your head, just like a car on the freeway. And you're going to come right back into the moment of right here, right now, let's go. So I think when people start to add in the mental game there, it can really help nerves. And beyond that, obviously nerves are also kind of a physical thing as well. So just a lot of a lot of breathing beforehand, lots of bouncing your feet beforehand. You can even exhale on the court, exhale on your shots if you need to. And yeah, so those are those are usually the things um, that I'll kind of give people without telling you guys everything. But <laughs> but that's pretty much what I like to focus on. Well, again, I really appreciate those tips. And I know the listeners will too. Are you still doing private lessons? Or are you mostly just doing group clinics right now? Yeah, so since I'm on the road so much, I have been kind of veering away from the private lessons. I I recently relocated to Knoxville, Tennessee. So when I am there, I'm usually kind of in like a rest mode. So not doing too many privates. When I go back to Santa Barbara, I do tend to work with my students who I I worked with previously. So I'll do that. But generally right now, like if if anyone wanted to find me, they'll usually find me on the road promoting clinics, mostly at Chicken and Pickle. But yeah, I would say that's where I'm kind of gravitating towards right now, just with my schedule and my limited time options. All right, then to finish up the podcast, I just have a couple more questions. One of them is, which pickleball paddle do you use and why? Yeah, so I currently use the Electrum Pro. So Electrum is, I would say it's a rather new company. I think we've been around for a couple of years now, and they only have one paddle at the moment. So it's just called the Electrum Pro. And I absolutely love this paddle. I <laughs> I hate like sounding like a salesperson, but I genuinely like think this paddle is the greatest. So it's the closest rack or closest paddle I found to like being similar to a tennis racket, right? So we obviously don't have strings, but this paddle is so grippy that it feels like I can add so much spin to the ball. So it's, it really, really grabs the ball because of the texture it has. And the difference with this paddle between other paddles is the surface of it is actually more of like a woven in texturized paddle. So it doesn't wear off like other paddles. So other grippy paddles, they have surfaces that they can kind of wear off. So you have to kind of exchange them out every once in a while. This one will just stay as is like fresh out of the box because it it can't wear off. It's just the surface itself that makes it so grippy. And then on top of that, it's just, it has so much pop on it too. So it's a really good combo for me. That's really good to hear. I am not that familiar with that brand of paddles. And I I guess it's because it sounds like they're relatively new on the market. Yeah. And we don't have like a huge team yet. So um, you probably haven't heard it. That's probably why you haven't heard of it. It's myself and Patrick Smith. And then there's a couple other players on the team. But yeah, if you haven't tried it, I would absolutely go give it a try. If your listeners are listening, go demo it. I, I don't think you'll be disappointed. It's really an awesome paddle. Now, if somebody does want to get a hold of you, where's the best place to reach out? Yeah. So 
anybody can follow me on Instagram. So it's Lolo underscore strat underscore PB. I always check my messages there and then Facebook as well. I don't accept all of my friend requests because <laughs> I don't uh, know everyone who friend requests me, but if you follow me and send me a message again, I always check my messages there. And then I'll just throw my email out there as well. And it's L like Lauren and like Natalie, my middle name, and then Stratman at gmail.com. And I always check my email. All right. I really appreciate you taking the time out. And I thank you so much for being on the podcast today. Of course. Thank you so much for having me. This was a lot of fun. Thank you for listening to the Pickleball Fire podcast. If you enjoyed the show, be sure to give it a five-star review on Apple iTunes. 